Welcome to season three of the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We're just two black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron through our Patreon. Patrons can gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, chances to join us on the Myelin and Melanin party line, and more. We'd like to thank our music producer, Shah Sevier, for providing our podcast music over the years. You can find him on Instagram at shah.sevier, and you can also find him on YouTube. Welcome, everyone, to episode 52. Um, Before I go any further, I want to take some time out to thank our newest patrons, um, the people who have joined us through our Patreon. Um, Yeah, thank you very much for your support. It means so much to us. It's such a huge help. And thank you. Yes, thank you. So last week's um, podcast with Dr. Boster was so enlightening. As usual. It was. Dr. Boster is incredible. He's always leaving yes. us with jewels and uh, kind of blowing our minds. <laughs> as, yes. As Miss Tripping on Air, Ardra says he's like a unicorn. Um, yes. And I, I can agree to that. Yes. Um, yes. It's always great. With it him. really is. And, and today we are kind of furthering the conversation that we've been having about how Black women experience experience healthcare a bit differently than other people. Um, we have the Sydney Ray on with us today and um, this should be a, another wonderful conversation. So I really look forward to everybody, you know, tuning in. Yes. So over the past couple of weeks, Don and I have been talking about the fact that black women experience healthcare differently than other women. This is a fact. This bears out statistically and certainly frames the experience that experiences that we've had in the healthcare system over the past several months and years, really. And so after posting one of our videos on uh, our YouTube channel and IGTV, one of our followers, the Sydney Ray, she posted this really thought-provoking comment that really got us to got us to thinking more deeply about the realities that Black women face. And we are fortunate enough to have um, Sydney here talking with us. Um, Sydney, do you want to share some information about who you are? Sure. Thanks for having me. Um, So um, basically, I've been in the MS battle for about 17 years. Um, I first started having symptoms back in August of 2003 after spending an entire day on the beach in 90 plus degree weather, um, getting in and out of the ocean, the cold water. So unfortunately, by the next day, everything had gone downhill. Um, So basically, um, after testing and things like that, um, by December of 2003, I wasn't officially diagnosed because I only had one brain lesion and those oligoclonal um, bands. So um, if you fast forward to March 2006, my second relapse, um, they did re-imaging and I had more than one um, lesion at that time. So therefore I was diagnosed Mm -hmm. then. So um, it's been quite a journey uh, since then. Mm -hmm. I can say that each um, relapse is very different and you develop additional 
symptoms and things like that. But um, Mm -hmm. overall, it's been um, navigating the system, getting testing, going to different types of doctors, Mm -hmm. insurance, learning about the medications. It's definitely been um, an an interesting journey, but one that has definitely strengthened me and helped me to grow as a person and to develop my voice Mm -hmm. to be an advocate for myself. Right. Definitely. Wow. Can I ask what um, disease modifying drugs that you've been on, if you've been on any? Uh, yes. Uh, I started with Avonex, which is like uh-huh. the worst for anybody who's um, yeah. afraid of the story. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sucked. It was so horrible. Uh, but then I yes. moved on to um, <laughs> Copaxone and Beta Seron, but I kind of phased out of that because of the cardiac uh-huh. um, issue I had with that. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I'm currently on Gelenia since uh, September 2017. Um, so far, so good, mm-hmm. but we'll find out, um, you know, of course, during the next MRI what's going on. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you for sharing. So with that said, I just want to read um, the comment that Sydney left on our video, which was really, again, enlightening and eye opening for us. Um, so Sydney writes, I don't like that this happens to anyone, but it's a weird comfort to know that I'm not the only one being treated dismissively at times. If I didn't have questions and research prepared for each visit, along with having a family member or friend attend visits with me, I believe I wouldn't have gotten what I, de- what I needed. Going to the doctor is already nerve wracking, but not knowing if your questions or comments will be received adds another layer of anxiety to everything. And that really just hits the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. So, Sydney, when you talk about the fact that you have felt that you've been treated dismissively, you know, by doctors and appointments or whatnot, what, like, what are some examples of what you mean by that? Okay. Uh, I want to start by saying that um, this uh, treatment was more so from when I tried a different uh, neurology practice other than Uh my main one I've been going to. Um, Okay. just in terms of like when I just mentioned the um, the cardiac issues, like with the beta seron and the copaxone, mm-hmm. I kept bringing it to my doctor's attention. And he just was kind of flippant, like, well, um, you know, take the medicine or have a relapse. The disease will progress. And that was Ugh. basically his response to it, even though I was, you know, I kept saying it's getting worse and worse. And he's just like, right. well, get over it. So, um <laughs> That was kind of rude. And also, in the, um, yeah. you know, comments like, well, that's just what happens. Like, I don't I didn't know. I, you, you learn as you go that symptoms right. change, you develop new ones. And to get a response like, well, that's just what happens. Like, get over it. Like, no, uh-huh. I'm not going to get over it. This is not normal. And what is going on? Answer my questions. What do we do? Yes. So let yes. me ask you, did he explain he or she explain this is something that can occur while taking this particular DMT. Did he explain any of that or you were just kind of like blindsided? No, um, that was explained to me. And of course I do my own research. So I was looking at the, um, mm-hmm. the insert, the drug insert and things like that. I'm looking online, but it was mm-hmm. just the fact that it was just getting more and more intense. And right. I didn't think it was something I needed to stay on. Is it going to cause okay. something else? And that's why I kept okay. bringing it up. Right. And he didn't address the fact that you were having these symptoms and these difficulties, it was just more 
just brushing it off to the side. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, like get over it. This is what we mm-hmm. have now. And, you know, that's just it. Deal with it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and wow. I think these experience, this is what happens. Absolutely. To us. And having a cardiac issue as a result of taking, you know, some sort of disease modifying therapy, that's terrifying. Thank you. Thank you. I can speak to that because of Limtrata. And although it was thoroughly explained to me and I knew what could happen, I started experiencing thyroid issues. And with thyroid, you do have some sort of like palpitations or rapid heartbeat. Mm -hmm. And I freaked out. So if I didn't have a black female doctor that validated my feelings and jumped on it right away, I, I don't know what I would have done. I'm sorry that happened to yeah. you, Sydney. Yeah. Yes. Sorry that happened to you, too. I mean, it's good to feel heard because then it feels like everybody's part of the treatment. But with process. Yes. Right. So yeah. It does make a big difference. Yes. Right. You, you know. know oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Go ahead, Don. No, you can go ahead. No, the, the one word that stuck out from Sydney's comment was anxiety. And um, did you want to say something before we dive into that portion or no? No, no, no. Okay. Yeah. I was watching a video on YouTube about um, it was two black doctors discussing real advice on mental, mental health. And they were talking about anxiety and how to manage that and how to manage the stress. And one of the doctors on the episode on, on, on this channel on YouTube, I think the, the show is called On the Seven with Dr. Sean. But Dr. Grant was saying that we have a biological reaction to stress, which is true. Mm-hmm. We, we really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that, that we carry with us just, just because we are being, just by virtue of being black. And mm-hmm. living in this society, it, it's, it's like... I, I don't know what the word is. I guess I'll just use oppressive. It is mm-hmm. a, it's an oppressive society. And so with that knowledge, it is quite difficult to manage anxiety, especially as it pertains to dealing with a chronic illness like MS. Yes. Um, yes. I, I'm sure, Cindy, you faced certain amounts of stress or stressors or anxiety that came along with this disease modifying therapy doing all kinds of things to your body and couple that with a doctor, not really experience like sharing in those experiences with you and ignoring you that that brings a tremendous amount of anxiety. Right. Enough to not even want to go back. Like, you know, it's like, okay, I don't think I can do this anymore. Something's not right here. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. So I would like for for our listeners to just hear a piece of that clip, and we will play that for you right now. We also experience this kind of race-based stress that everybody else doesn't experience, right? There's three different types of racism. There's interpersonal racism, there's structural or systemic racism, and then there is um, the, I lost the last one, interpersonal racism, structural racism, It'll come to me in a minute. So these pieces, these pieces, they add on to the stressors that we feel. And right now they're doing stress tests on cortisols in our blood and our bodies. Mm. They're now doing hair tests. 
And now we're looking at compound stress, meaning that if you took a blood sample or a urine sample, that gives you a moment of stress over the last three or four hours. Hair samples, hair cortisol samples are now testing years of stress, compound stress. And so what we're dealing with is... Don't lose your train of thought. So we carry stress in our hair? It, it comes out in our hair. The cortisol is the hormone in our blood that demonstrates stress. Mm. Everything we feel has a biological mm. basis. And when we feel stress, it's because we've had this cortisol buildup. Historically, we've only been able to study that through fluids. Mm. Now we're able to look at hair samples for those of us who have hair and are able to measure the amount of cortisols that have been released on that hair follicle to say, wow, this individual has been under this many years of consistent, wow. overwhelming stress. And so when we talk about how our lives and our experiences are different, they're hugely different, and we're experiencing a weight that others are not experiencing. And this doesn't matter if you have money, if you don't, mm. if you're heterosexual, homosexual, it don't, it don't matter. Mm. All of us, just by virtue of our membership, in the African diaspora, mm. living in Euro-normative lands, we experience a different type of stress. I'm gonna slap him with this mm -hmm. car. Wow. That yes. is so, so true. Yes. And that was it is powerful. powerful, extremely powerful. Um, how, I'm sorry, go ahead. Uh, that, no, that is exactly what we have been saying. I mean, of course, we are talking about it from our own personal experiences as Black women. But the fact that, you know, it sounds kind of, you know, when we say that Black women experience healthcare differently, it sounds like it's kind of a vague statement. It really isn't because these are our experiences. But to hear Dr. Grant really affirm what we've been saying. We experience stress on insurmountable levels, period, just by living in a Eurocentric society as Black people. But then add MS and the medical profession to that. That compounds things like times a million. Well, what Sydney was saying, she started on Avonex, then she moved over to Copaxin, mm. correct? That was your next uh, drug, Sydney? Copaxin. And then beta serum. It was either one Okay. Mm -hmm. So just by virtue, again, of going through the different therapies and then having to deal with the side effects that all of these drugs have, because all of them do have them. Mm -hmm. uh, that adds to our stressors and the anxieties and the doctors ignoring us and the doctors feeling that we aren't uh, being, I don't know, maybe they feel like we're not being honest. Maybe they feel we're being hypochondriacs. I've been called a hypochondriac on so many levels um, mm -hmm. and many times in different um, doctor's appointments. So yeah, that that was a really powerful piece that he brought to light in that video. What, what do you yeah. think? What are your thoughts about what he said? Um, well, just to go back to the, the medications that, that we listed, they involve their injectables. So mm -hmm. there is already an anxiety and a fear of needles. Yes. But then if you're the only one that's taking care of you, you have to do that yourself. So you're sitting in a state of stress all day, mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, I have to do this at bedtime. 
then mm-hmm. you do it. And then like you can have an exacerbation of, of symptoms just because you've worked yourself up so much. But yes. if you don't do it, then the disease progresses. But it's all it's on you. There's a lot of different lopsided things that aren't being addressed here. Like as far as being a black woman in this society, a lot of us are not married, haven't been married yet, or maybe not mm-hmm. in, a, in a, a steady relationship. So a mm-hmm. lot of the responsibilities and things fall on you. So like, I mean, after you get all worked up, it will be like, oh, so nice to have like a hug that's calming. It brings down mm-hmm. the stressors. Instead, right. you just get in the bed by yourself and say, God, hope I wake up in the morning. There's no side effects. Mm-hmm. And then there, there's a lot of things too. It's like, okay, so you did that at night. So then you have to give yourself enough time so you can get up and go to work. So what's at work? In a lot of places, you're the only one or one of few. That's another stressor that's mm-hmm. like not addressed. And that also has an impact on your symptoms. Then there's also, in terms of work, well, you know, you have to get your imaging, blood work, all those different types of things to make sure that the medication is working. Then there's also like the financial aspect of that, which ties into work because it's like, okay, well, I have to take time off. If you're the only one that's like the breadwinner or the head of household, you're missing time, which means you're missing pay, which means Mm. that it's cutting back on your budget to pay for those out-of-pocket expenses like um, something outrageous like $1,500 for an MRI, which mm-hmm. I've gotten before. It's gone from 13 to 15. Now we're at 1800. It's like, right. it's just, it's, it's just like a cycle. Yes, it cycle is. That goes on. And it's easy to say, and I understand from the, the uh, uh, practitioner's perspective, this is the protocol to follow, take the medicine, right. get the testing. But there's also other factors around that. And they were like, well, like get it done, like within a month. And I'm like, no, um, maybe six months, depending mm-hmm. on what my budget is and what's going That's on right. at work. Yes. So it's That's a lot right. going on. That's Yes. Right. And you know, you make excellent points. And I think that a lot of times the practitioners often do not understand the social context from which we're coming. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That Yes, you ordered this MRI. You need to have it done within a month. I can't do it. You know what I'm saying? And them not being always particularly responsive or understanding. Um, when I just can't back be. On that. Right. Mm-hmm. I've, I've pushed back on that because at first it was just kind of like, um, well, why can't you, you need to get it done. I know I need to get it done, but my pockets aren't saying right now I can get it done. So uh-huh. we need to have some patience here and set some goals and expectations about what I can do to participate yes. in my treatment too. Everything's yes. not going to be immediate and we need to work together and, and develop a timeline as well. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Socioeconomics plays a huge role in the portion of anxiety that comes from all of this. I mean, what about the people who don't have insurance or the people who have had a terrible exacerbation and it wipes them out where they can't go back to work and they're going to have to go on disability. And, you know, in my case, it took years. It took two and a half, three years for me to get approved for disability. And that's a struggle because the savings, the little bit of savings that I was blessed to have, it dwindles. So what do you do when you need an MRI? What do you do? Do you go on Medicaid? Okay, but they don't really pay for everything. They don't pay for all of your 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 medications. So I I just don't know if there's an answer to all of this. <laughs> I don't think there is. No. I just no. Yeah. 
No, well, I just want to say to your point, like, do you go on Medicaid or anything like that? Um, there's a program where you can get a, a free one-time MRI, but if it's something that's kind of like, okay, your symptoms are acting up and you get it compared to something that's extremely, an extreme outlier to what your symptoms are, then you have to kind of weigh, do I just do this now or do I hold off for that as like, like your extra measure of protection down right. the line? So right. it's like, it's like gambling with a lot of things. Yes, right. <laughs> It's like weighing which one, which one am I going right. to take? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and mm -hmm. the thing is, can we fix all of these structural factors that are really barriers to healthcare? No, we can't. But I think that what can be addressed are providers, I don't know, their compassion and understanding and willingness to work with us. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? To make this a more doable experience, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know that what I mean? Sense. Yeah. I, I just want doctors to have, I don't know what the word is for that one is, that is, but don't feel as if we are attacking when we come into the office with a list of questions. Mm -hmm. we're, we're coming in, we're, you know, we're coming in with, with all kinds of provocative thoughts and, and, and emotions and feelings, don't feel like we're attacking you, but it's like, no, this is, this is serious. And we need to, like Sydney said, come up with a timeline frame, frame how this disease is, is shaping things right now in my life. Like let's deal, right. let's deal with the here and now and let's be proactive and jump on what needs to handle what needs to be handled at the moment okay disease modifying therapies okay symptoms okay let's talk about that let's address these issues and not feel as if we're attacking them or that they're on they should be on guard because that's right. that's not it we just want what we're saying is we want our voices to be heard we we mm -hmm. don't want to be used as uh as number 1 as a as a guinea pig or number 2 as just you know, women that are complaining. Right. And we, there are so many disparities in our community and this is just one of the, the many that, that we face. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it, it feels like a hopeless situation a lot of the times. And I think that some, and it people, doesn't have to be, no, it definitely doesn't right. have to be. And mm -hmm. what bothers me is that I think that for some people, we come off as though we're complaining right. on a certain, mm -hmm. to a certain extent we are, but we have valid concerns. And I think that people need to start understanding that our experiences are valid and real. This is happening and it's a problem. Mm -hmm. So Period. my question. That comment. Oh, sorry. I just want oh, to say no, thank ahead. you for making the comment about it seeming like we're complaining, mm -hmm. but it's us expressing our concerns. It's yes. not like you're repeating the same thing over and over again, right. unless if it's something that's not being addressed and fixed, but I'm a human being here. Like yes. you just don't write a script and send me out the door. There's a, you can't treat the body without taking the person into consideration. It's right. a lot. It's a holistic approach here. It's not a one fit, one size fits all type thing. Yes. Right. So, yes, we need, I mean, that, it just, I mean, that's why I'm happy to be on here because, I mean, this is a place where you can give women, especially black women, a voice. Yes. Like, listen to yes. us. What we're saying does hold weight, but it could change some 
like therapy, even if it's not the medication, but it's like the cognitive, the emotional, yes. um, mental yes. health aspect yes. of it. We need to know that, that we are here, we exist, and it is real, and everything outside of MS is has an effect on us. Yes. But there's, yes. there's a way. There's strength in numbers. There's strength in talking and bonding. It's, it's, we just need more than just go get the x-ray, here's, here's your, take your medicine, and that's it. We are real people. Right, right. Right, yeah, living this is, real lives. Right. And it's important for us to discuss all of these issues and come together to talk about it. Because when you're diagnosed, it's basically, okay, well, what is it? Oh, it's MS. And what are we going to do? Okay, well, at the time that di- that we were diagnosed, I'm sure it was the same for you as well, because it's been a number of years. These are the ABC drugs, and here you go. And uh-huh. then you're just kind of left to the world to fend for yourself in this extremely scary disease. And you don't know which way to go. You don't know that you need mental health. You don't know that you need to talk to to a therapist. You don't know Mm -hmm. that you need other women to discuss this with other black women to discuss Mm -hmm. what's, what's, what's happening. Um, And maybe I, I, and I feel this is, this is, this was my question. I do want to, I want to kind of backtrack a little Mm -hmm. bit because I, I thought about this because I hear women all the time saying it took me so long to become diagnosed with MS. I have test after test. Mm-hmm. Nobody could figure it out. First, it was lupus. First, then it was fibro, fibromyalgia. And then it was Lyme disease. And it took me five years to figure out that I had MS. And by then, so much damage had been done. And now I'm using a cane or a walker or some other, you know, mobility device. How long does it, knowing, let me say this, knowing that Black women are statistically are being diagnosed with MS uh, was a lot more frequently than than other ethnicities. Mm -hmm. How long does it take for us to get diagnosed? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I need to see those, those numbers. I would love to read about that and see what what that's about. Exactly. What, right. I was just going to say, it makes me look back. Like hindsight is everything. So like when I had, um, the, the first uh, symptoms back in 2003, I was um, looking back and I was like, huh, that's interesting because my sandal kept flying off my foot. But if I had brought that up, oh, that's no big deal. You know, you're probably just clumsy or whatever. Uh-huh. Then I go all the way back to when I was 17 and a freshman in college and I was having vision issues. But because it was not presenting at um, the doctor's appointment at the time, oh, it was probably just nothing. Like it's a lot of things over time that just get dismissed. Yes. Yes. I think we we have such similar stories because when I was in high school, I experienced a few issues. And then when I went to college, I remember breaking out with this horrible rash and I it just came out of nowhere. I I don't I don't know what was going on. And I remember walking across campus and my foot was dragging. And I'm like, what's that about? But you know, when you go back and think about these things and you go to the doctor and you tell them, they don't look at it as something that that contributed to the whole MS diagnosis. It mm-hmm. was just like, okay, you'll be fine. And then, you know, fast forward to They're when you really had a full-blown exacerbation or when you were like just starting a, an exacerbation, you go, I went to the emergency room and I think I may have even said this on, on the video. Mm-hmm. The doctor just kind of told me, well, you have the flu. You'll be okay. You just have a virus. <laughs> right. 
Right. That messes with your that that messes with your psyche. Like yeah. it because people are telling you you're crazy. And for so long, for so many years, we've been told we are crazy. Society tells us that that black women are crazy. We're supposed and this speaks to our videos. We're supposed to be resilient. There's nothing wrong with you. Come on, you can do it. You're a strong you gotta black keep woman. Working. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yes, thank you. Yes, and you have to be strong, not just for yourself, but for everybody yes. else. Because it seems like yes. great. we don't get sick. We have to take care of everything. And it, that's not true. We're, we're human. Yes. We're people. Right. Well, it goes back to what you said. If you're a single woman or divorced or widowed or whatever the situation is, and you've got to take these injectables, who do you have to lean on when your leg is aching or when your body is shivering from Avonex, the flu-like symptoms that mm -hmm. you have after taking that? Who, who's there to, mm -hmm. to fix your, your breakfast or a cup of tea just to make you feel better? I, I mean, it, right. it's insane to me that we are ignored and expected to be something that we just sometimes cannot be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and even just thinking back to now, my story is a bit different. Um, and that my mom has MS as well. And when I was first diagnosed, although my presenting symptom was optic neuritis, my mom had never experienced that. So when I started experiencing that, like it wasn't like automatically, oh, that's could be an MS thing. Uh, folks can listen to our very first episode to kind of hear the depths of my story. But um, back to Avonex. So of course I was diagnosed in 2004 and there were just the ABC drugs. So Avonex was my drug. And luckily I had my mother to be able to do my shots for me because I just, I'm not scared of needles, but there's something about injecting yourself, which is scary. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't do it. That being said, I was lucky to have her to be able to do that for me. I don't know what I would have done if I didn't have somebody to do that. And I say all that to say too, like, I feel like when the doctors prescribe these medications, there needs to be a plan in place to address these issues. Do you know what exactly. I'm saying? Like it needs to be discussed, not just like, okay, here, Abinex, these are the instructions. This is what you do. No, let's have right. a plan in place for how this is going to look. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Can I ask you no, both a question mm -hmm. that that's been on my mind? Do you feel as if, when you were diagnosed and then throughout the course of this disease, do you feel like you've just been left to the wolves or left to fend for yourself? Have you ever felt like that in this whole process? Heck yeah. I know I have. <laughs> um, yes, definitely in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you learn more than you know what to ask. Right. But mm -hmm. it, yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. Like uh, when I first started using a cane, I started, I took it upon myself to do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like all of the transitions that I've made, they haven't been at the recommendation of a doctor. I've had to take it upon myself to realize that these are things that would benefit me. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times, like the doctors 
okay, you have your MRIs and your maybe once every six months or once a year visit, you know, unless you are uh, going through an exacerbation or something. But, but it's kind of like you're on your own to manage the way the d- disease manifests and how it affects your life, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. And I'm not suggesting that we need to be coddled and, okay, how are you doing? But I feel like, I don't know, there's a lot lost. And, well, there's so yeah. many pieces to the puzzle. Yeah. There, there are tons of pieces to the, the MS world and what we struggle with and what we have to manage. And I think it's important for healthcare to kind of look at this and say, hey, we've got enough people voicing their opinions here. We, this is a problem. The, uh, yeah. Again, statistics are showing the disparities. What, what are we going to do about this? Like, I think it would be, and this is, of course, my, like, idealistic utopian view of what should happen, but, like, maybe every couple of months, someone, not your doctor, him or herself, per se, but someone from the office checks in. How are you The check-in, yeah. How is your mobility? How how is your mental health? How are you feeling? How is working going? You know what I'm saying? Like, to address these issues before it comes to a head to where, you know, you can't manage anymore. You know but you mean? know what, Dana and Sydney, I, I love this idea. I think it's fantastic. But what it boils down to is finances. It mm-hmm. boils down to money. Who's going to pay for that? Yep. Because everybody wants to be paid. I think it's a wonderful idea. I think we all, everybody who has MS should, should get that check in. Mm-hmm. Everybody. But I think that Black women in particular should definitely get those check-ins because our mental health is on the line. There are the rates of suicide is just insane. Oh God. Yes. 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 Going down that rabbit hole, especially with the diagnosis and then changing symptoms and having to adapt to different things. That's very understandable. And it's like a whole nother level of like your body just like taking over mm-hmm. and I'm like I'm not usually depressed but I don't understand where this is coming from yeah and that's also something that's not addressed yes now so, um, some of the bigger practices or maybe MS centers they have a social worker yeah. um, but right. again, like what you mentioned the finances who's going to fund that and any data that that is collected on following your progress is that actually going to translate back into money again? You, you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, if we're right. going to put this time into it, what are we going to get back for it? So yeah. I, I don't well, know if that also plays into Yeah. And then if you live in a medical desert, mm-hmm. how, how do you get this care? You know what yep. I mean? Like, if you live in a rural area or somewhere deep in the, the south or something or way over in Wyoming or MS, I don't know how many black people are there, but or j- just if you live in these these areas that don't have you don't have like a major city close by Dana's close to a you're in a major city Mm. you're in a major city I am as well I we've been fortunate enough to have access to that right um but again we can reach out and it costs but who's going to pay for it are insurance companies going to pay for that I don't know yeah it's frustrating and they already don't they're they're not going to say, oh, black women need X, Y, and Z. So we're going to set aside money for that. No, it's just, it's just, it hasn't happened so far. (laughs) I I think I want to create like, and and of course this is me just like talking from the clouds, like it's all rainbows and unicorns, but like some sort of network 
where yes. we check in. I was thinking the same. Yes. Like yeah. every three months, there's a check-in. How are you? How is your heart? How are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, are you okay? How is, if you're working, how is that going? How is, you know, how is your mobility? Like, how are you getting around? Mm -hmm. How are things, you know what I'm saying? Like, just to check in because mm -hmm. things happen. You know, you might go to the doctor or the, your neurologist every year or every six months. There's so much that happens in between that you're not going to just, you're not going to call your doctor um, to report for every week. Right. Every you know week. what I'm saying? Right. But all of these things add up and it's like, it would be nice for there to be some type of network to get a check-in and to kind of maybe like point you in the direction of resource. I don't know. This is just right. me like being all idealistic, but. No, I love it. I think that's a wonderful idea. Can I share a story with yeah. you all? I, I'll never forget. There was one time, uh, what year was it? It was probably four years ago now. And my, I'm divorced. Everybody knows X from the other podcast that I've said. Um, and my ex-husband left me <laughs> during an exacerbation. It was horrible. But anyway, um, that's a whole different topic. <laughs> I remember he purchased a pair of shoes for my son. And I was just like, dude, come on. These are the wrong size. You got to help me out. I'm, I'm doing everything. I don't have time to take them back. So anyway, I made time, took them to the mall to, to exchange them. I get to the mall and I, re I return the shoes and halfway down the, you know, wherever you're walking mm -hmm. from the store to your car, it not even, no, it was more than halfway. My legs totally turned to noodles. They just gave out and I didn't know what to do. I, I, I managed to get to the bench because you know how they have benches in the middle of the mall. So I get to the bench and I just sit there and I just start crying. I'm crying, crying, crying. And everybody's just walking by. Nobody's paying attention to me. And <laughs> my legs are just, they're, they're gone. Like mm -hmm. I can't, I can't walk. There's, there's nothing there. Mm -hmm. You know, at that point, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to my car. I don't know how I'm going to drive. I, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I'm going to pick up my son from daycare. What, what's going to happen here? Uh, or, or school, I, I can't remember. But anyway, um, this woman was standing at a store and she was with a group of mentally challenged adults. And she walked over to me and she was like, are you okay? And I'm sobbing and I'm like, I can't walk. And she was like, do we need to call a doctor or mm -hmm. the ambulance? I was like, no, I have MS. And then she looked at me and she was like, well, what is that? And so I had to explain right. what it was. Um, but that, my point is that took so much out of me because I had never experienced that, that type of, humiliation. Mm -hmm. I was humiliated because I couldn't do mm -hmm. for myself. Mm -hmm. I was humiliated because I'm in the mall and I'm crying and nobody knew what was wrong. I think people probably thought I, you know, boyfriend had just broken up with me or something, you know, and the woman, God bless her. She gave me a hug and she sat with me and she said, I'll sit with you until you get somebody to come get you. Um, but she told me she was going to pray for me. And okay. I just, I got, I'm sorry. I got so frustrated 
because, and I said to her, I was like, prayer is not going to work right now. It's just not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I, I called a friend of mine and he ended up coming to the mall and he had to like carry me literally. And, um, I was just leaning on him because my legs were just dragging. Yeah. I, I was dead weight. And I, at that time, speaking to your, what you just said, Dana, at that time, I would have needed something like a network of women or a net mm -hmm. or a physician or a social worker or someone to call and reach out and say, how did that make you feel? Mm -hmm. Because I was, I was no good. I was no good for myself, which meant I was no good for my son. And I felt a, a certain level of, um, or a certain amount of inadequacies mm. because I couldn't take care of, of like the normal things that we do, cooking, right. cleaning, just getting to the store or whatever. And luckily, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to get some steroids and I was okay, right. but that will mess with your, your anxiety. <laughs> it will take anxiety to a whole different, different level because I didn't want to go out anymore. I was like, yeah. I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. That'll happen again, right? Oh, yeah. I understand that. Um, I had an experience where um, it was the uh, with the first episode, and I was getting off the bus so I could go walk to the the doctor. And I so I got off, and I'm standing there, and then all of a sudden, my right leg, which was the one that was having mm. the issues, just started having these crazy spasms to where it was making like my foot stomp, like lift and stomp mm. on the ground. And mm -hmm. people jumped and walked away from me quickly. Like they just like spread, like I had like some sort of like virus and nobody said, are you okay or anything? So I'm standing there until I feel like my leg is going to stop and I can walk again. So right. it is very, like you do have a lot of humiliating yes. um, experiences and, th and that does bring about anxiety because it's like, okay, I'm walking. Walking has been my main mode of getting myself around. So what do I do now? So you think a lot about before you go out, even getting yourself up and ready for mm -hmm. the day. So it's not just a, a once in a while type of thing. It's an all day type mm -hmm. thing. How do I get me here? How do I get me there? All this. Right. So thank right. you for sharing. Yeah. yeah. I've never heard anybody be able to, to share anything like that, too. Yeah. yeah. And, right. And that's, you know, this is a lonely disease. It is because that's not really a story that you're just going to share, like with your girlfriends who don't have MS. You know what I mean? Like, because it's hard for other people to understand the effect that has on you. Like how that that those are the things that disable you. You know what I'm saying? Like when you you're paralyzed, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to it causes you to change your whole way of living. You know what I mean? Like you question every time you go out, is this going to happen to me again? And if so, yeah. I'm not going out, you know? Yeah. Well, you don't feel like Sydney was saying people just backed away from her. Mm -hmm. You don't feel human. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. You're completely mm -hmm. like, what's the word dehumanize yes. like come on there's nothing wrong with me i am having some sort of ms situation right now there's right. nothing technically wrong but yes i have ms yeah. and this is what's happening so i'm not a leper right. i'm not contagious right. i just need i just need a little exactly yeah 
I need some compassion and some help, possibly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> or just like, yeah, just like it'll be okay. Just say something kind to me. I am like breaking down right. here. Yeah, yeah. And it's scary right. enough to be out in the elements and experiencing this with your body because, you know, we're women. We want to look. We have a little bit of vanity. Uh -huh. We don't want to see. Like, oh, God, she can't even control her leg. She can't control oh, what, you know. And so all of that went in my head. I don't know if that went in your mind, too, Sydney. It's just like, how do I look? How do I look to other people? I've learned to not care now. But you do think I look pretty. Yeah. You do think that. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. I, can I touch on what you just said about how do I look? Because the outward appearance basically is you look fine. Right. But you feel like yes. crap. Right. Right. <laughs> like what you said about the complaining part. And it's like, well, people are like genuinely asking, you know, the one people who are mm. genuine, how are you feeling? And you just want to say, my feet are killing me. I didn't mm. sleep last night. And then you go, go down your whole list. But you're just like, I'm fine. Right. No, exactly. <laughs> so it's <Right>. like, <laughs> yeah, like, right. You're, you know, run into someone. Oh, how are you doing? How have you been? I'm not going to go into a thing. I went through, you know, yeah, like you said, I didn't sleep. My legs are spasm. You don't. I'm fine. You know what I'm saying? Like the path of least resistance. I'm okay. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna go down the laundry list. My bladder is weird. I, you know, I mean, so much because MS is a messy disease, and people people don't like to hear that. No, it's like that meme that I posted on uh, our IG page. Or that we posted, um, just because I carry it so well doesn't mean it's not uh -huh. heavy. And that's from the Mantra magazine. And it's so true. Yes. Because what we carry is very heavy. So very heavy. This was a heavy topic. It's a but very a heavy topic. topic. I mean, we need to, our voices need to be heard. And these issues need to be heard. And addressed, really. So... Yeah. And, and I think it's important for all of us to understand and have compassion for one another. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I'm just so tired of being ignored and, and tired of, of trying to reach for something that is a, is a, a given right like we should feel that we can go to our medical professionals and and trust them mm -hmm. we, we we should be able to do that just like everyone else yeah some things have to change so they do so thank you so much for being with yes. us Sydney we really appreciate your story your ideas everything that you've brought to the podcast and your comments which are yes. phenomenal yes um, your voice is definitely heard and we appreciate yes. it would you consider joining us again at some point maybe down the line oh yes because um with ms brain i couldn't keep up with everything but there were some other topics yes oh yeah <laughs> oh well go ahead here if you yeah yeah if anything that that you would love to share yes. we are certainly yeah. ready to talk yeah. about so yeah, yeah definitely it'll be really nice to to talk to you again so again thank you so much we appreciate your time and we will be talking to you soon Absolutely. all right thank, thank you, you.
Well, thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.